You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome to another episode of The Potato Files here on Never Sleeps Network. I am your host, Jeff Paul, the human potato of comedy. My guest today is uh, a fabulous comedian. Put your hands together in your car, wherever you're listening to this. Cal Post is in studio today. You How you doing, liar. Cal? Liar. <laughs> I had to say something nice. <laughs> I was like, fabulous comedian. I have no other lies for this man. He's a schmarmy, <laughs> angry. That's such um, an old image of mine that I cannot escape is the curmudgeon, angry... Well, I think I'm a super nice dude. You are now. When I met you, you were a fucking asshole. Yeah, I was, I was an asshole. <laughs> but I was really unhealthy. I was drunk all the time. Now I'm healthy and drunk all the time. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah, fine. yeah. Now you now you sip tequila instead of chug pints of beer. Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> um, how much weight have you lost? Uh, what, my, was your, what was your highest? My heaviest was 185. 185. Right, like, I'm, I'm barely five foot seven. <laughs> so, uh, and I got little bones of a bird, so uh, it looked really bad. Uh, I'm down to 140. 140. So that's 45 pounds? 45 pounds. Jesus. That's I'm, a sack of potatoes there, buddy. I would love to get down to 185. That would be <laughs> that would be nice. I'm almost down to 200 and I'm excited about that. I haven't been under 200 in fucking 10 years, probably. Oof. So, well, uh, I mean... I'm slowly getting. How there. much weight have you lost on the uh, the no boozing? Um, I'm down uh, about 13, 14 pounds. It's fantastic. Yeah, you're yeah, gonna yeah. completely go back to drinking. Oh, and I know. ruin it all. I know. I will. Wh- by the time this podcast comes out, I will already have been two weeks <laughs> drunk. So uh, the next podcast is gonna be just me talking about gaining all the weight back. Well, but, why don't you just don't go back to beer? Just whiskey, I, tequila. Yeah, the, that beer is what I miss. Like, I don't miss, I don't miss being drunk. I don't miss doing shots. I miss just having a pint of fucking beer in my hand with like a nice, like, inch of head on her. Do you remember ever hating beer? Um, like when you first started drinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do a joke about that, about <laughs> how shitty beer was. It was you, the f- nastiest shit. Yeah, and I remember we used to sneak beers to uh, to elementary school, like in grade eight. Everyone would always like, once a week, somebody would show up with a can of beer they took from their dad, but it hasn't seen a fridge in eight hours because they snuck it out in the middle of the night and put it in their gym bag. <laughs> and we'd just be sitting there like sipping it, and then we we wait till lunch to fucking drink this beer, and then it's just... Piss goal. We just pass it around a circle and fucking pretend we're rebels. I grew up in the country, so it was just bush parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me bush too. parties. So, an older brother, somebody get a case of two, four, and he's like, oh, I want to be drunk, so I will yeah. fight through these beers. <laughs> um, how was the drinking and driving back where you came? Where were you? Uh, Wooler, Ontario. Wooler, Ontario. Yeah, where so, is that? Cause so, that'd anyone. be around Brighton, Ontario, which is near Belleville, Ontario. Oh, Air bases okay. in Trenton, Ontario. So all these towns kind of uh, are all around each other. So we all have went you to ever gone to that school. Trenton, uh, the Trenton base? I no wait, what's the one? I went to the one in Kingston to do a show, like the Canadian. I've never been to the Force. Kingston base, but I the Trenton base. They do a lot of shows. I could not believe how easily I got onto an army base. Like there was no guard, <laughs> and there was like signs <laughs> telling you where it is. Like you don't. Uh, well, those bases are so inland. 
I know. They're not really at risk of being attacked so much. But it was just it was just a weird thing. Like they guide you to it and then just don't even stop you from coming in. Well, it also is a testament to Canada's real military strength, which is practically nil. <laughs> we we got a plane, don't we? My sister works on the Trenton base. Oh yeah? What yeah, she yeah. do? She cleans airplanes. Your insanely hot sister cleans airplanes. Yeah, my insanely hot on an sister. army base. Yeah, <laughs> I I just got to pause for that visual. <laughs> I see a bucket. There's no a maid big sponge, <laughs> Lots of suds. Lots of suds. Oh, I got to uh, I got to get into the army. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, last family day, she uh, she asked me to come up, and we took one of the planes. They did a big military plane. They took us around. So I got to sit in the cockpit. Really? Yeah, yeah. The, the girl is the stewardess army girl. Stewardess Stu- slash oh, there you go. <laughs> all in fatigues army girl. She, uh, she was going around asking all the kids if they wanted to sit in the cockpit. And no one was saying yes. And I'm pretty like, I, I, I do, I do. All these kids and it's me. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? I want to be in the cockpit. <laughs> so they, they let me go in and uh, land. So I've seen the landing. It's fucked up. Well, any responsible parent will teach their young child to stay away from cock anyone offers you cock just turn and run the other way (laughs) especially in this fucking climate oh i know i know boyd's boyd's got a good joke he's going on right now about uh if hollywood keeps outing people soon enough he's a leading man (laughs) dude i'm afraid to jerk off the blinds open just in case well that's that's the thrill of doing it come on (laughs) you gotta have a little fright in there fuck is it tim steves has that great new joke about uh, peeping toms he's a reverse peeping tom he jerks off in his window (laughs) i stare out my window and jerk off another guest on the potato files here on never sleeps network what do you think of never sleeps network studio here huh not bad I like that we're uh, beside where a man sleeps. No, no, this is this is now a spare bedroom. It's, oh, okay. This is just all studio now. So, dude, it's still ten times better than most places that do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> How many podcasts I've done where a roommate comes in? Oh, sorry guys, sorry. sorry. Hey, talk, I just talk, grab my weed. talk real loud so my iPhone can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get the dumb fucking attachment for an iPhone. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did Alex Wood's podcast. Uh, Alex Wood quits everything. Yeah. How um, is that. We did it in his room, and uh, Alex quit cleaning his room a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Alex quit life. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, I just looked around. He's like, this is actually clean for me. I'm like, okay, well. Oof. I don't know. I, I, I can't live like that. I'm a... I'm a tidy guy. Yeah, yeah. For the most part. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think I was ever, um, like, just clothes on the floor kind of guy. Like, I've always had a hamper. Yeah, I got a hamper, and, you know... Usually closer on the floor because I'm drunk from the night before. So I stumble in. Like, I just got to get out of this. I, I don't even get them off. <laughs> <laughs> I just piss right in my pants. Oh, I think uh, I was telling you before we started recording, I ate a edible last night that said it was a two gram dosage. Didn't do shit to me. But I think it kicked in like four hours later while I, when I was at home because I passed out on my couch in my clothes and slept in an L shape on a section. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I had like a quarter of a gummy that Hunter got and uh, I went into a coma. I said, like, why do they... You shouldn't have to eat just a quarter of a gummy yeah, my bear. My buddy was showing these... Like, these, he's got this strip of gummy, and you're supposed to just break a piece off. And, like, it's perforated, sort of, you know? So, it, like, peels just off. Just make tinier gummies, you lazy fucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like the cookie because it's still... A, it's a nice snack, you know? Dude, I'm still joints. I can control it that way. I love joints, too, but I, uh, I think without the uh, drinking, which uh, I have not had a drink in... 
28 days. That's the thing with dieting. That's what kills me. Because I can, I can stop drinking beer, because mm-hmm. whiskey and tequila and all that shit. But it's the being high. Because I have a hard time sleeping without it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, From I, years of being I, high. I just quit drinking, but I, I think I've been eating an edible pretty much every day this month. So how do you handle the... Because the, I, I get, when I'm high, I just starve. Like, give me all the food. Yeah, no, I don't know. I've been uh, just been drinking a lot of uh, lemon water, and that seems to kill some cravings for me. And like I'm, they do in the Chinese restaurants, because it, uh, yeah, yeah, it dulls your <laughs> hunger, because they don't want you to eat everything on the buffet. <laughs> fuck you, Mandarin. Well, they're smart. You take your lemon water and fuck <laughs> off. I went to a, a brunch buffet out in, uh, out in the country the other day, Kleinberg, Ontario, a, a golf golf uh, club there like the sunday brunch and they <laughs> oh man i uh i i, I raped the uh the seafood table they had, like oysters <laughs> and lobster uh, and crab legs i don't know if i could do buffet fish i i jumped right in <laughs> jesus like i fucking have to strap a toilet to my ass and <laughs> <laughs> i was i was walking into the place smoking a joint i'm I was like what you gotta smoke here i'm like gotta get hungry <laughs> <laughs> Trying to explain that to people too. It's like, do you have to get high? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. If I'm gonna sit here and listen to you, I would rather be high. <laughs> but it's like you're not even there. It's like I am so there. I'm, I'm just actually, not talking a lot. Which I'm you very hyper focused on what you're saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're high, it's just a lot of stuff doesn't. You just realize, like, fuck. What's the point of even talking about that? Mm-hmm. We both know where we stand. There's no sense breaking it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. All right, we're going to break you down. That's Let's break me down. the point of this podcast. I think we're uh, already a bit in, and I haven't uh, haven't gotten to uh, what we do here on The Potato Files. What do you do? We, uh, we, we find out about you, Cal. We find <laughs> where you came from, what makes you tick, um, why you were such a fucking asshole when I first met you. I can tell you why. Why? why? It's not that complicated. <laughs> I was hanging around with other assholes. <laughs> <laughs> they rub I was, off. I was a young man and um, I've always been kind of an impressionable guy just because I, I love different kinds of art and so at that time, I think when I met you, I was doing a lot. I was hanging around with a lot of comics, a little who were older than me, really busted my balls a lot, and so it just naturally kind of rubbed off. And I tried to do the same thing. Uh, it wasn't until years later when I realized uh, it wasn't getting me anywhere, <laughs> and also it didn't make me feel good too. Hey, how come this chip on my shoulder hasn't yeah. gotten me? <laughs> Especially when uh, my ex got sick. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, there's no time to be an asshole. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we're going, uh, let's start up in uh, in Wooler. Well, let's go back to Wooler. Wooler, Ontario. I was actually born in Kingston. Born in Kingston. Because uh, Wooler's right by Trenton. Yeah. And they used to have a hospital. It's not there anymore. Yeah, my but, town uh, doesn't have a hospital anymore either. So, I, <laughs> dude, my town's not even a town anymore. Oh, Wooler's not there, by the way. <laughs> oh, no? <laughs> they just got rid of it. <laughs> they took down all the signs. I'm Close like, what is this place? Closed up like, shop. Yeah. So, uh. I was supposed to be born in Trenton, but I was two months premature. So the doctor there told my mother to abort me because either one, either we'd both die or if they could abort me, then it'd just be me. So then my grandmother said no fucking way. And we drove all the way to Kingston. And they're like, hey, can you give birth to this premature? And they're like, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> We're a hospital. <laughs> and I spent, yeah, I spent the first month in an incubator. I was pretty messed up when I was born too. Oh, yeah. I was uh, I, I had a hernia when I was first born. <laughs> Came out with a lower back problem. Yeah. <laughs> what about? Uh, so are you uh, one sister? No, I got an older sister, half sister. I have a younger brother, then a younger sister, then a younger brother, then a younger sister. How many is that? 
That's five. Five of you. Yeah. And are all the sisters extremely hot or is it just the one? They get by. They get by? My older sister, uh, my father had when he was 17 uh, with a woman I never met. So she's about, I think she's six or seven years older than I am. Okay. So she's still back in Trenton. I don't know her. Met her once. Uh, my younger brother's out in Alberta right now. He works. He works oil. He works all these different jobs. Real man. Yeah, he's a, he's a worker <laughs> with a huge drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> but who doesn't have? They that? go hand in hand out there on the rigs. And my sister, we were talking. She works over at the base, and then my younger brother and sister are both in high school. Fuck. Are these so? This can't be all same parents. No, no, no. My like, father. Are you blood related to all of them? Or? Yeah. Okay. Just uh, so my youngest two brothers and sisters are um, half. Half and your oldest sister is half. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's three of us in the full capacity. Okay, okay. Well, this and growing up in Wooler, it was very simple. Was Door f- opened in the morning, we ran out, was came back farm? when it was dark. No, everyone else had farms. We yeah. had the little shithole. Our house was 30000 bucks when my parents bought it. Yeah, that's what my dad bought his house for. That's insane. He still, he still lives in it. If I could find a house for $30,000, you'd never see me again. Yeah, the, uh, Fucking gone. The the area where I came from uh, has been developed so like so much that uh, my dad's $30,000 house he bought in the 70s is like just for the... like. Because it's a house on this lot. Right. Like 400000 Oh, my God. <laughs> just, just sitting there going, I'm, I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did nothing. I drank beer yeah. for 30 years. Yeah, no, I remember he bought it for 30000 and then he put a $50,000 renovation on it um, when I was a wee, wee child because it was only a two-bedroom bungalow. So when I was first born, it was three of us all in the room then here. So he um, expanded, did a did a renovation or whatever. Everyone got their own bedroom. So now that house is $80,000. He paid it off, and then him and my mom split a month later. Oh, shit. Does he still have the house? Yeah, and then he had he mortgaged it out for like, it was like 190000 or something. That he wow. had to, that he had to give her for, her. <laughs> and then, then like well it was like a hundred it was everything accumulated it was back in the nineties but he's uh he's bought the house a few times <laughs> and I'm pretty sure fucking he, banks he's man pretty sure he wants to die there <laughs> <laughs> not wants to in spite will <laughs> yeah 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 he ain't going anywhere <laughs> bought this fucking house three times I'm dying in this goddamn chair <laughs> so if uh, grandma's rushing uh, your mom to Kingston uh, so she doesn't have an abortion I take it there's some religion in the family no they just didn't want to abort me no they're like fuck i've had this thing for seven months yeah yeah it's like we can say we, we the- painted a wall blue also the doctor that was supposed to give birth to me in trenton he two months later was fired because he was drunk nice yeah so that's the guy <laughs> who I, we, I just pictured I, I obviously i wasn't there i was but not in yeah yeah so I just assume he you was weren't like, taking notes. I just assume like cross eyed like it was cut it early, it would kill it. <laughs> Fucking problem solved, man. Which you is got, how I would treat You got the weekend guy who really didn't feel like working? <laughs> if my girlfriend got pregnant by foot, I'd get drunk and was cut it out of you. Fucking get rid of it. I have more in the common with this guy than I thought. Just sit her on the toilet and huff her one real good, eh, bud? <laughs> Once a month, just to be sure. <laughs> Draw a target on her stomach. All right, honey. That's cuff her hands over her head. Don't move. <laughs> You'd say on three, but then you kick her on two so she doesn't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, honey, I don't want to have to do this more than once, so be good. So your school growing up then, I, where'd you, how far did you have to go for school? I, I take it Wooler's not holding their own uh, elementary school. Wooler has a population of 200 people. Mm-hmm. So public school or middle school was um, Stockdale Public School. So that's like a 20-minute bus ride. Really country, you know. 
really cool place. Like when I was growing up there, I couldn't imagine growing up in a city because mm-hmm. we had acts like we were just outside all the time. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I didn't get TV till I was 13. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, I, like, when people reference the 80s, <laughs> I was like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Tyler Morrison's one of those guys. Like, he drops a joke with a reference. I'm like, I don't know yeah, what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> uh, what year were you born? 83. I um, three years on you. Yeah, so I spent all my time outside. And when I got into high school, it was dirt biking. It was baseball, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Never learned how to skate, though. That's my goal this winter. Baseball, baseball was the uh, sport of choice growing up then? Yeah, just my friends played it. Little stick ball in the backyard? Yeah, well, I was a bit of a hermit, so I didn't really make my first friends until <laughs> a little later on in public school. Until last year. <laughs> <laughs> also true in a lot of respects. There's... Well, yeah, if you're... What do you mean? You, you didn't make friends till public school. That's when you start making friends. No, no, but I mean a little later on, like grade, oh. you know, like six. Shit. Like five, six is when I started. Were you picked on? Oh, yeah, lots. Really? Oh, yeah, I was tiny. I was a tiny kid. Probably, well, that's probably where the bitterness comes from. Yeah, I was the shortest kid in every class I was ever in. Like, I walked into high school at four foot 11 mm-hmm. with a mullet. That's my fault, though. <laughs> um, Whoops. What's uh, mom and dad doing for, uh, what's paying the bills out in Wooler? Uh, mom was, she just, uh, minimum wage worker, worked at a Tim Hortons, worked at different factories. When she turned 30, which I would have been just starting high school, just ending public school, she started to become a cop. Like, she went into the program to become a police officer. Really? Yeah. But then she got into an accident because she was still working a part-time job while doing it because my father's a musician. Okay. And so, he just worked weekends and, you know, he's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, they ended up getting a divorce and then a few months later, my mother was in this horrible accident. So, she got put on disability. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. She had some brain damage and shit like that, so... That's too bad. How how is she holding up these days? I mean, I do remember the woman she was because she was very incredibly smart, blew through college and university, no problem. And then in her accident after that, just started drinking and yeah. She, and she just kind of assumed the, the hillbilly look, mm-hmm. like acid wash jeans, permed hair, <laughs> w- Wooler, yeah, Wooler, <laughs> Wooler Friday night, baby. But she almost she almost took on the uh, like the drawl of. Fucking, she had that kind of thing. Going. <laughs> um, so she she wasn't neck. She's still the kind woman that she was before. Mm-hmm. She's an incredibly sweet person, but definitely fried a part of her brain that. Uh, yeah, she's still drinking. No, 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 no. Because she drank pretty much straight for fifteen to twenty years after that. Okay. So only recently, in the last five, has she been like, I can't do it anymore. Okay, which is good because I'm like, well, I'm not stopping. Well, how old? How old is she? Like, she sounded young. 50. Fuck, she'd be 55? Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty young for a mom. My yeah, yeah, they were, I had young parents, which yeah, was kind of I had, fun. I had very young parents. So I was uh, the third born, and my uh, my dad was 24. Holy shit. Yeah, I think my mom was 23. Fuck. <laughs> um, That's been it. Can you imagine having just one kid? No. Like, now? No, no, but it's good, because, like, um, like, my dad was a prick. Well, I, when I was young, because he was like he was our age, right? Trying to fucking raise a family and have responsibilities and all this shit. But actually, when he was our age, he was on the tail end of it. Like we'd already yeah. grown up and everything. So when when he was in his forties, he kind of settled down and. Well, I think there's some about human beings. Some about older parents too, where they don't quite love you the same. <laughs> like not like parents now, the helicopter parents, the ones just like hey, just over their yeah, kids yeah, all yeah. the time, make sure everything's there for them. Like my parents just like. Yeah, yeah okay. no, we were, my network nights, so 
Uh, What's your man? What do you do? My dad, he still does. He works, uh, he's got his own Dempster's route. Delivers bread at night. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, uh, he's been doing that. He's uh, the longest running franchisee in uh, Dempster's history. It's like 45 <laughs> years or something. I hope they give him a watch at the end of this. They, they give him shitty gifts like every five years. He's like, yeah, fuck, great. Here's a Rolex knockoff. <laughs> a Brolex. But yeah, now my uh, now my brother works with him, and my brother will just take it over once, uh, once my dad, I think he's got like three years left, and he's 65. God. But, uh, I think about retiring. I'm like, I don't know if that's even going to happen. No, we don't. We won't retire. You don't retire from this. <laughs> no, people just want to stop watching it. <laughs> you, 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 they find you dead in a hotel room. That's how this ends. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so my dad would, uh, he'd get home at like uh, 9, 10 in the morning. Um, so say it was like summertime when we're not in school, he'd get home. We'd wake up or whatever. We'd see him for... We'd have our breakfast. He'd have like he'd have a little snack, and then go to bed for the day. And then we were just fucking on our own. Like mom was out working, and we were just like, okay, now we just take off. That's something kids don't get nowadays. Just that freedom, like bye. Yeah, get on your bike and go. When's the last time you? Uh, yeah, and just go fucking look at porn you, in the woods. You, you rode over. You rode your bike over to a friend's house unannounced and just yeah. knocked on the door. <laughs> Hi, is Dwayne home? Yeah, the old pop in. I love doing the pop in. Kira's like, you can't pop in. You have to call. It's very much a country thing. They don't do it in the city. Yeah, in no, the city, yeah. apparently, it's one of the most horrendous things to do to somebody. Yeah, like, what are you doing here? I'm like, just, <laughs> in the neighborhood. Just wanted to hello. be your friend, man. <laughs> I do. Uh, our, our friends that live in the comic house across the street, they're uh, Beaton and uh, Jarrett. And oh, I sent them a Christmas card. That's nice. Yeah. I uh, I use their house as a shortcut because the, their alley goes out to my road. So I walk down the alley, through their kitchen, out their front door, and then onto the cozy. <laughs> Just say hi going through. That's great. Yeah. And then, well, they uh, never lock that door, no, nor should they. <laughs> Marina one time told me, he goes, he goes, man, I never see you in the neighborhood. I go, dude, I use your house as a shortcut. You see me all the time. <laughs> Man, that house is fucked. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't want to live there. I'm gonna have Campbell in here real soon, and we're gonna we're gonna find out the inner workings at that place. I lo- every comic Five I know is living in a house. For those of you wondering what we're talking about, every comic I know that's lived there gets in there and goes, it's cheap. Yeah, I'm on my own. I love it. Yeah. And then within a month and a half, I'm gonna kill myself. This isn't worth two hundred and fifty dollars a yeah. month. Yeah, Campbell's like I. I pay $250 a month. I live downtown Toronto. Like, yeah, but you get bit by weird things. You can't have the heat on as the same time as the guy next to you. <laughs> Otherwise, the circuit breaker blows. And now you're both freezing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like to live nice. It's all right. You My father got- was a musician when I was growing up. So he played in a cover band, country cover band. Oh, geez. But uh, he used to take me on the road sometimes. Like when I was around nine years old is when he started, like every once in a while, I'm like, hey, I'm playing for the weekend here. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, you know, go stay in hotels and then he'd go, cause I can't go to the bar. So I just fucking hang out for the weekend in a hotel. Yeah, you get and, some TV that you didn't have at home. But I got, I got the road life before I ever actually <laughs> hit the road to do comedy. And I loved it. I still love it. It's one of my favorite fucking things. Yeah, I enjoy getting, uh, getting away. Yeah, man. Checking into free hotel rooms, nothing better. Like, I'm doing a seven, hopefully seven weeks in the spring going out west. Oh, yeah? I'm so fucking excited. You're going to leave your girl? I guess she's from out there. Is she going to come? Yeah, or? but uh, we've been together long enough. She's like, yeah, go do... Because this is the first time, too, I've been able to get away from Toronto for a long amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, sweet. Seven weeks. I did uh, four weeks, then I came home, and then took off again. But uh, it was it was all right. I like two-week stretches. 
Like, I don't know. I, I like being home. Yeah, it, I like it, getting away, but I also like I, I don't think I would want to. I hated getting to the point where I'm doing my laundry on the road. Right. Like, that's what I didn't like going to. I had to go to some weird uh, Chinatown laundromat in Vancouver. <laughs> and uh, this dude, you know, when you take your shirt out of the dryer and you give it a little snap. Yeah. I did that, and he yells at me. He goes, "No shake, no shake!" <laughs> and I look, and then right in front of me, taped to the wall, is like, "Oh my god, yes!" A piece of paper that's like ripped out of like a three ring whatever, yeah. And it's taped to the wall, and it just says, "No shake." <laughs> <laughs> but all I can imagine is like this, this. Why? Because this old man sitting in this laundromat he owns, just all day, just hearing that snap all day. Yeah, you own a fucking laundromat, man. Just fucking. <laughs> but it was like i walked in there and the guy had a he had like a like a stick like it was like half a broomstick sort of thing he uh he, come with me i had to buy like i had to buy a one shot fucking tide you know those uh tide things or whatever yeah. so i buy that off him and he's like come with me and then he just comes up brings me over to the washing machine and hits it with his stick and then i was like okay and i threw my shit in i started watching something on my ipad and then that was done and i had the stuff in the basket and i turned around and he was right there with his stick and he's like come <laughs> and he walked me over to a dryer and like hit it with the stick and he's like this one this one I'm like oh my god this is just fucked up what kind of weird when i pack my clothes for a tour I always pack for just long enough that I know I won't have access to a laundromat. <laughs> so I feel like, oh, I'm going to be in Vancouver for just over a week. So that's the amount of clothes I need because I don't want to do laundry there. Because then after that, I go to Calgary. And you got to wash your dryer. Yeah, right there on suite. <laughs> it's like, mm, nice. Well, well, that's what I, because I, I, I did a week in Calgary. So the last day I did all my laundry there. And then I had... Uh, Another two weeks in BC with no access to shit. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm going to have to hit a laundromat. Dude, I don't know what, what it is when I get to Calgary and I do my laundry. I feel like I won in life. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> I, um, I did a Kingston uh, Absolute. With, I won't name the comedian. Um, he's an older guy. So he's been, he's, he's got the tricks of the road down, Pat. He brought all his dirty laundry with him. You fucking gross pig. he knew that. Can you give me the initials? I'll tell you after. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, he brought all his uh, all his laundry with him because he knew I was giving. He would. I was driving, so he didn't have to take a bus or anything. So he had uh, showed up with the biggest suitcase. I was that's like, so fucking. Like, that's gross. pretty pretty big suitcase for four days. But <laughs> just so you don't have to do two hours of fucking work. Yeah, I don't know. Down I the used, street from. I used to enjoy doing laundry. when I lived in a. I've I've never had to go to a laundromat like uh, where I lived. Like I've. I uh, always had buildings that had uh, laundry in the basement or whatever. Right, right, yeah. Um, the one time I had a house, the guy, he bought that washer-dryer combo that's just one thing. You put it in, you it washes it, dries it. They make those? Yeah, but they suck. Oh, okay. They're awful because, like, the dryer, like, it's just, it's this weird steam dryer. Um, <laughs> and it's just, everything comes out in a ball of wrinkles and you gotta, it was awful. Yeah, but, that's uh, gross. But they, hey, they tried. So, and it, you could only do small loads at a time. So, I just hung dried. Dude, I'm saving money to get this thing called the Drummy. And it's a foot pedal washing machine. <laughs> oh, I've seen that. Yeah, man. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> so it's, you can put in like five shirts or a couple pairs of pants and it's a little low, but I don't have a ton of clothes. So like I just fucking I sit in front of the TV and just pedal this shit for 10 minutes and it's done. <laughs> Hang it up to dry. Never have to pay for it again. Um, that's hilarious, man. I, I saw that thing and uh, I was like, oh, that's uh, that's just a great 
solution to a shitty problem. <laughs> yeah, it's eco-friendly, uses less water. I love it. I'm so tired of fucking dirtbag comics, though, ruining shit. Where like, comics you- go out on the road, and like, oh, they have all this f- food from a buffet. Let's try to steal as much. It's like, how about you just have the meal you were offered? <laughs> And act like a fucking reasonable adult about it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. If the, the people before you always ruin it for you. Yeah, well, that's what, like, the new Niagara Falls Club opened, and it's sweet. Yeah, because you, you can finally drink there. You can drink, you can have a good time, everyone's yeah. really nice. Well, somebody will ruin it all. I know. <laughs> like, and these, I, I didn't these go, guys treat everyone really nice. They actually, I hear they're treating us like we're actually talent. Yes, they are. They're doing all this, and it's, I give it three weeks. Three weeks? Three weeks, and, and they're I, going, fucking oh, bums coming in here. Yeah. Oh, these assholes will work for <laughs> peanuts and <laughs> we can do whatever we want to these guys because they just want to work <laughs> now i think it'll be a good uh, good relationship they gotta they look like they're really into it which is nice yeah. and it's so hard to find managers and club owners like that who are just really into the product not so much trying to mm-hmm. a lot of people try to start clubs because they want they think there's money in it no these guys are these guys are washing money for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeez, i walked out of the green room there's like five italian guys in suits it's like oh the mob's here nice none of them laughed at me either just all kind of close one eye like hmm <laughs> Um, yeah, I hear, I hear there's some crooked noses down there. So. Yeah, well, fuck. Hey, good for them. As long as there's people to make laugh. I'm not going to Criminals got to laugh too, Jeff. Exactly. <laughs> We're not saying they're criminals. We're no, saying, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're saying they're, uh, they're businessmen. Um, Dude, the bars my father used to play, man. Jesus. Yeah, so, lot. was your dad, uh, was he... You said he was only working weekends, but then you said every now and again he'd have a gig he'd take you to. But like, was he oh, yeah, full time? I mean, back then, back like the late, especially like the late eighties, early nineties, uh, he was working every weekend. Yeah, people used to pay for entertainment. Yeah, and he like he designed a whole light show to go along with the band and stuff because he's he's a fairly talented carpenter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they loved hiring him, and he'd come home every weekend with five hundred bucks in his pocket. You know, I'd love to have that every weekend now. <laughs> I mean, even then, it, like, it wasn't a lot of money then, but I mean, he worked three nights a week. Um, some gigs were more than that. Was some he good were dad? less. Good dad? Nah. He, my, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. I was 12. And he, he was always a good buddy. Mm-hmm. Always laugh, have a good time. Now I smoke joints with him. It's great. Yeah. Really fun. You still see him a lot or? Yeah, as often as I can. Yeah. Um, but I don't have that. I, like, I look at other people people's relationships with their fathers and it's you can tell there's like a really close mm-hmm. bond there that's <laughs> it's like, i don't have that <laughs> like, i don't go to my dad for advice like what I, <laughs> but i've kind of felt smarter than my parents since since i was 12 yeah you know since my mother was in the accident since and i also got, since your mom got brain damage you yeah. always felt smarter right <laughs> but i was always i was always a fairly decent debater as well okay so whenever i got in trouble i could generally talk my way out of it and my parents, my, especially my father, hated the education system, mm-hmm. probably because he never really went to one. And he got out at grade eight and never went back. He just started touring the road yeah. when he was 14. Just a guy in his guitar yeah. case. Playing in right. bars when he was 14 years old. Jeez. That must have been fun. Does he still play? No. What's he? Nah, he's too he, old now. No one pays he, anymore. What's he doing uh, to support himself these days? Works at a restaurant. Yeah? Yeah, handyman. Huh. Fixes shit, cooks when he needs to. Nice, nice. Well, did do you remember him having to get a job when you were a kid? Or? No, no, no. My mother paid him off to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> he had he had the place for a year with us, and he's like, "I want the kids." This this made me. I remember specifically my parents were arguing. This was uh, right after they decided to divorce, 
And so they're arguing about stuff. And my father brings me and he's like, get in here. You need to listen to this. And so he's yelling at my mom. My mom's kind of yelling back at him. And he's like, I want the car. I want the kids. I want the house. <laughs> my mother might have been the smartest thing I've ever heard a woman do. She goes, have it. That's what I did when I got divorced, but I didn't have the kids or anything. I was just like, take the house, take the car, fuck, I'm out of here. But my father had a really hard year that year. He was really depressed and pretty much just sat in the corner of the kitchen, played guitar. And my brother and I just fucking had at it, do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. I think that was the year I first started. I tried pot that year. 12 years old. That's uh, age appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I had my first cigarette that year. Never went back to it for a while, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was a really fucked up year and he didn't pay a lot of the mortgage. So when my mother came back, she had to beg the bank not to take the house. That's funny. So they, they didn't. She cleaned it all up, paid him off. When when my mom split, she left, and there was three of us, uh, three boys, me and my two brothers. And my mom went, I'm leaving, and I'm taking those two, and you can keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was like, yeah, fair trade. <laughs> I remember being really upset when they divorced. <clears throat> I was so relieved. Like, it was like a fucking weight off my shoulders, you know? Like, finally, there's going to be some fucking peace and quiet around here. Well, yeah, that was the thing for me. My parents didn't really argue. It just my mother realized she'd kind of been in this one place her entire life mm-hmm. and just realized she kind of wanted to live a little bit. She had her accident after? After, after this, okay. yeah. How old were you when she got in her accident? Uh, it was the following year, so it was 13, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and 13. then she's got to come back in that condition to get the house? Yeah. Yeah, and oh. she did because she was still trying to work uh but we'd also got a little bit of money from the government for the accident because it was a thing with tim hortons mm-hmm. where they they really fucked up she got a faulty coffee maker okay yeah just a loose wire and there's water all over the metal tables oh it's a l- electrocution yeah, accident. Yeah. oh i was thinking car accident when you said she, she had no no yeah she was electrocuted on the job at tim hortons out of tim hortons fuck you still drink that shit Dude, it's cheap ass coffee. <laughs> they get they give out hockey cards for a buck. Oh, uh, they should give you like a card for free. You know, I get free coffee forever. Yeah, she's been in a lawsuit trying to get a settlement out of them for fuck over twenty years now. It's hard to fight corporations. They have uh, lots of money, lots of lawyers. Well, there's that too, but also because the health department of the government are also at fault for not having them remove the coffee maker on inspection. Mm-hmm. So now it's trying to sue the corporation and the government. Shit. Two people who d- hate losing money. Mm-hmm. And sue, so. the, sue the people who made the coffee maker. But it kind of fucked me up as a kid because we had, we'd have lawyers come around the house and be like, we're going to set you up for life because they just thought it was an easy slam dunk case. Yeah. So for a good part of my youth, I was like, well, I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to try it stuff. I don't have to do anything. Mom got electrocuted. We just got a TV. Life yeah. is good. And I was a little, you know, rickety hillbilly kid. Like, I'm fucking like, straight up. We just hit the oil. Let's go to LA. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, and then it was in high school when I found, because I always thought I was going to be a cartoonist because I, I drew all the time. Mm-hmm. So you then, still draw. You're still pretty good at it. Yeah, I do. It's fun. I, I don't love it like I used to. Mm-hmm. But then I, uh, in high school, uh, well, fuck, when I was, when my parents were divorcing, Dumb and Dumber came out. Oh. And I don't think I'd ever laughed so hard because <laughs> Ace Ventura was funny. The mask was okay. Mm-hmm. And Dumb and Dumber to me was... Yeah, it's like, it, what's funnier than this? Yeah, I remember it, my parents. Yeah, I think our parents probably split up around the same time, about ninety four ish. Yeah, yeah, I remember hanging with my aunt or something. I, I went out to uh, Nova Scotia 
when my parents were splitting up, I was like, well, I'll go on a trip, see my aunt out there. And I remember making her rent Dumb and Dumber. And she was like, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> my mother hated it. She's like, I don't get it. Uh, did you watch that Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman? I did. And it made me not like Jim Carrey. Well, that's the whole thing. They like talk about it and they're like, they don't, Universal doesn't want us to release his footage because they don't want everyone to think I'm an asshole. <laughs> He's an asshole. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, like as much as I love movies and I love, I love my career in comedy there's a point where like just fucking get over yourself <laughs> like you're making a make-believe movie about an, an old great comic yeah yeah it's that's like, like daniel day lewis he goes right into character like yeah but he makes epics like you know yeah. there will be blood <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the like that man on the moon was pretty good the doc was better than the movie nah movie's great man it's the movie's movie. okay that's yeah, a good movie. also i'm not a huge andy kaufman fan either i love him I was like, it's weird and strange. I can appreciate that. I appreciate the balls. Mm -hmm. That's what I like. Fucking just brazen. Oh, yeah. like when we just with Tony the, Clifton. I went as Tony Clifton for Halloween one year. Best costume ever. You can Tony just, Clifton's probably the most genius thing he ever did. Yeah, it's so good. You just say whatever the fuck you want. You don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I uh, like we we get to have fun for a living. Mm -hmm. So I, I never want to take it more seriously than how it should be perceived. And when it comes to acting, it's like we live in a very privileged society that gets to even do this. And I just find it to be a part of art that becomes pretentious for the sake of separating people within the art itself. Well, yeah, it's like it's... what I do is way more important than what you do because I do method. You do. I don't even know what you're doing. You don't even matter. Yeah, well, it's like they're movie stars, you know, in our society. What's bigger than that? Like, why does a movie star make more than a fucking heart surgeon? Well, look, I've been saying that for years. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Actually... Uh, a heart surgeon uh, makes more than a Canadian movie star, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> he makes more than 12000 a year. That's good. I would hope so. <laughs> uh, Actrophies included, so. I don't know. I used to be, when I started comedy, it was one of those guys, like, I'll die for my art. I will, d And I'm just like, pay me enough. I'll leave. <laughs> you want me out. Uh, what about uh, high school? You, uh, do you like it? You having a fun time yet? Have you come into your shell? Um, I liked what I focused on. So I did a lot of musical theater when I was in high school because those were the outlets. Instruments? No, no, no. I can't sing either, right. but I can act. Uh -huh. So that was in high school because I was the only one who could really do a performance. Uh, I'd get all the big roles, and then they'd figure out a way for me not to sing. <laughs> it's like we'll just rewrite something so that you don't have to do it. Um, and I did a lot of directing of plays, and that's where I spent most of my time was in the theater department. Okay, uh, had a handful. You're a loser. Of, yeah. I had a handful of friends uh, when I started. All drama nerds. Yeah, when I started smoking pot, that's when I really started making friends in high school. Mm -hmm. But I never got laid in high school. No, nobody what, fucked me. When did you lose your virginity? It was twenty one. Twenty one. Humber College. After Humber. Oh, after <laughs> I think fucking oh. like uh, three months after I got out of school. <clears throat> Jesus. Yeah, man. Well, I, dude, I had for one thing. My father <clears throat> wasn't around really a lot when I was in high school, so mm. I had no one to teach me how to deal with. I, women terrified me. I don't think my dad ever taught me how to get laid. Yeah, but you could watch him and observe him um, in some capacity dealing with people. Yeah. He was he was a very charming man to everyone he wasn't related or married to. Exactly. <laughs> um, so women terrified me, which is why I have no problem with all the sex... Not that I have no problem with the sexual assault stuff happening. <laughs> I have no fear in that I did something wrong mm -hmm. because I've always been the guy, as soon as a woman's like, yeah, I'm not that. I'm like, well, fuck you. Okay, all right, you. I'm gone. Yeah. See you. Bye. <laughs> Can you sign this form for me? <laughs> 
like when all the sexual assault stuff was happening and I find a lot of comics I think are going it's still th- happening. Well, well, I mean, a lot of comics are going through the, the backlogs. Like was I, was I a good person throughout <laughs> all my twenties? Cause something you did 20 years ago can come back and well, get, it's you fucked know. up. Like, um, like people are uh, getting in trouble, like for whipping their dicks out. That just used to be a move. I whipped my dick out <laughs> once. Yeah. But that was like, there was a whole episode of uh, how I met your mother. It was like th- they were pulling the move called the naked guy. Like a girl would go to the bathroom, and then when she come out of the bathroom, you're just there naked, like "Hey!" And everyone, the, the, the laugh track laughed, and we're like, "Hey, this is how you do the it." The computer laughed at the joke. Yeah, so people would go out there and they would whip their dicks out for girls, and then it would get weird, and then nobody would talk about it, and then now everyone's like, "Well, ten years ago, you whipped your dick out on me." And like, well, I can't remember that. Yeah, the only I look. Men are horrible. No, we we horrible, we are horrible gross people. pigs. But we have to decide on um, proper punishments, mm-hmm. like because what Al Franken did is not the same thing as what Kevin Spacey did. Yeah, no shit. Oh, Al Franken, that was the mood of that tour. Like, they did you see the video of the girl that accused him? They showed video of her on that tour. This. Uh, because it was USO tour, there's a guy yeah. up on stage singing. She comes and starts like grinding on him with her ass, and then slaps him on the ass, and then she grabbed onto a soldier and just kissed him. And she's like, "Well, that's the mood of the tour, like, and it's all fun and games at the time, but now it's everyone's. I don't know. Everyone wants to out somebody now, you know? Well, I mean, I'm not condoning any of this action, by the way. I'm just saying, like." Something a girl didn't like, like this girl that uh, she posted this thing about her boyfriend sexually assaulting her. That's what she said. Yeah, I know Um, this one. (laughs) But in the same post, she agreed to have sex with him. And it was consensual sex. Well, we got to. But she didn't enjoy it. And she, like, she wasn't really that into it. Lady, I don't enjoy having sex with me either. Yeah, but like. (laughs) If I could take anything out of the sex I have, it's me. You still said, okay, let's have sex. And then you can't go back and then, like, ruin the kid? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like just careers done, live, lives over. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like the the nature of the crime doesn't matter because it's the same punishment across the board, which is what we have to figure out. Well, like, I think uh, with Louis C.K., nobody ever accused him of doing something illegal, did they? They said, all they said it was um, inappropriate. It, it's inappropriate. It is inappropriate. But, like... Can you lose everything because you did something inappropriate? If you do something illegal, maybe. Yeah, like I said, it's the climate. We're in the, we're in the social justice era where the masses judge you before a court of law does. Mm-hmm. And even if a court of law finds you innocent, it doesn't matter. But what if, like, if the rules are constantly changing, how can I be accountable for something if, you know, like, say something, they make a law. And they're like, okay, this is now against the law. Can... They arrest me because I did it five years ago when no, it wasn't against the no, law. No, of course not. Like it's you don't. It's that's like that's like uh, you know when anal sex was illegal. Mm-hmm. You can't arrest gay guys for something that happened thirty years ago when it yeah. was illegal. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's there's so many weird gray areas, and I like I'm pretty sure I have no skeletons in my closet, but I don't know. Fucking, I could have got wasted one night and like said something completely 
mean to somebody and like i don't know <laughs> i've had women full I've of never grab my mys- cock yeah i've never forced myself onto anyone i know that no but yeah like uh i had a girl uh, at my show um i guess she wanted to let me know that my uh, hard nipple was showing through my t-shirt and just kind of like rubbed my nipple through my <laughs> shirt and i was just like oh thanks for pointing that out but at the same time what if i did that to you <laughs> you know well i mean the difference of course is the uh the violent nature of men and how safe a woman feels. Mm-hmm. Like when that woman flicked your nipple, never at, at one point we were like, I'm in an unsafe space where something physical could harm me. Mm-hmm. Where, I, where women have to kind of deal with that constantly. Even when a man whistles to her on the street, she has to go, is that guy going to come up and try to grab me? Mm-hmm. No, I, just- I, I get all that. I, 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 I understand completely where they're all coming from and where everyone's coming from. It's just... It's just, what's what's your psychological damage? The accountability of something that was like, I don't know. That's isn't that how life works? You know, <laughs> you do so, you do something when you're a kid, and somebody goes, "Hey, don't do that." And you're like, "Okay, I won't do that anymore." Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Like if you I don't didn't... know something's wrong, and like, okay, Louis' statement about um, he's like he didn't realize at the time, like the power he held over these women. Like, and in his right. head, he thinks, "Okay, if I ask you." To watch me jerk off and you do it, then you're saying like it's consensual. Yeah, of course. But like he didn't know that he could hold power over to a, a girl that she would sit there and not like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. But now he's like, well, okay, I get that what I was doing now was wrong. But isn't that just relationships anyway? This is what I don't understand is that uh, men go out and get good, high paying jobs and for the purpose of attaining power to impress women in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there's a weird just... The whole idea of how relationships occur have to be looked at differently now. Yeah. Well, every, it's constantly changing. I, all I'm saying is if it, things are changing, how can we be accountable for things we did in the past when that's what we're getting educated as we go? Like, okay, right. I, was a, I was inappropriate when I did that. I won't do that again. I showed a gay male comedian my cock. We were doing a naked show. Nice. And uh, I'd never done a naked show before, and I was a bit insecure, because I don't think I'm packing uh, I'm not packing the most heat. You're like, hey, you've seen a lot of dicks. Yeah, yeah. So I, did, I just showed him, I go, hey, Phil, how's this look? <laughs> just showed him my dick, and he goes, eh, that's not my cup of dick, but hey. <laughs> but I mean, thinking about it now, it's like, he could totally write that in a blog post. Yeah, Cal. And ruin everything <clears throat> but that's you were at a naked show or you know? yeah <laughs> but context doesn't seem to matter either that's the other thing with about louis is if louis wasn't the comedian he is would they have gone up to the room in the first place would they have followed him up yeah and then that's another thing that men have to learn as they go too like because like you were saying we try to attain that power to impress like that was the whole that, that's how our species has been evolving, you know, like for 250,000 years. Yeah, and like then the, before the that. strongest man gets the pretty girl because yeah, yeah. He, he's which is not- why I've never had a pretty girl <laughs> until my current girlfriend, who's the best. Yeah, yeah. She's way too hot for you. We'll get to that. Though. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. Don't tell her. But Yeah, that's the whole thing, because like you would um, we were raised to think money and power gets you what you want, you know, and like this is just how we're raised is not our fucking fault we're not we're, lear- we're well, let's not pretend things. it doesn't still work like that no i, I if you I, make two hundred thousand dollars a year you can be an ugly little motherfucker if yeah. i had made two hundred thousand dollars a year 
I would have had a lot more sex than I've had in my life. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. no, and, no you, and that's, that's just fact. Yeah, and that, so, but now we have to learn that, okay, our power is now a bad thing that we cannot use over someone. But that power will still be desired by women, too. Yeah, I, I get that. So we but. sit in this weird kind of crossroad of how much power and how do I... Mm-hmm. Basically, if I ever become rich, no one's going to know. I'm never fucking telling anybody. I could have five million in the bank right now, and I'm going to wear this stupid gross hoodie that I'm sweating in every day. Um, all right. Well, I don't know. There's no... There's Let's no get back argu- to my life. There's no argument you can have about the whole subject that um, we will never be right anyway. Uh, no. Our opinions don't matter. No. We're, we're, we're straight white men, and uh, we, we, we don't get a say anymore. And maybe it's time we don't get a say I for a while. I don't give a fuck. I don't we've, had, a we've had a say for a I, long time. I don't need a say. I'm just, I'm staying out of it. I just don't, don't take away my drugs and my booze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm fine. I don't know. Just, I, I've always treated women with respect, so I don't think anything would ever come from my past about... I don't know. Fuck. Hopefully not. <laughs> I think I begged for a blowjob once. <laughs> Granted, it was the first one. I'd never been blown yet. And I really wanted to be blown. Come on. Just put it in your mouth. I, I think I literally put my hands together like I was praying and said, pretty, please. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get to uh, 21 years old. You're at Humber College, the comedy writing and performing program. Yeah. And your best thing to happen to me that was a waste of time ever. You're still a virgin all through college. Yeah, no one knew. I lied to everybody. You move away from uh, Wooler. Um, where do you live? Uh, on campus? Residence? No, we we're down at um, Lakeshore. So me and uh, my buddy Sheldon moved in with a other roommate, Lindsay. So we had a little house mm-hmm. that was right near the water. It was really cool. Spent two years there. Uh, really fun. Had a lot of house parties. That's where I met. That's where I met Nick Beaton, Hunter Collins, Brian O'Gorman. We were all in the same class. Mm-hmm. My best friends ended up becoming some of the best comedians I know. So I was very fortunate that way. It's probably what kept me doing it as mm-hmm. well, because I was a really bad comedian <laughs> when I started. I was I wanted to be Bill Hicks so bad. <laughs> so And I would talk about things. I had 19 years old trying to talk about AIDS, yeah. you know, and r- racial disputes. And <laughs> like, I, I only knew one black guy, my roommate. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about, you know. So I tried to speak well over my head. Oh, I remember you sucked for a while. For a long time, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember, I was like, why is this guy so cocky? Like, you, tr- you <laughs> treated me like shit when I first started coming around. I'm like, who is this guy that just... <laughs> well, you know what happened to me? I met, uh, my girlfriend at the time was Joanna Downey. Yeah. Uh, who is a, was a credited headliner, and she ran in a great room. Grand- How old are you when you meet her? i just about to turn 23. Okay. And so you're, like, a few years into... I, you're just getting I just got out of college. I stopped doing comedy for a whole year. Okay. Because I was bad at it. And I was really depressed. And I was, you know, I was like, I still called myself a comedian, which was stupid because I don't <laughs> think I'd made 10 bucks. Um, what are you doing to uh, pay the bills? I was working at Sobeys. So I was working at a deli at a Sobeys, which was really emasculating. <laughs> then I moved to the grocery. And that's what Joanna afforded me when I moved in with her. She's like, quit this job. It's 50 hours a week. You can't do comedy. It's way out in Etobicoke. You're living downtown now. You got to quit. Mm-hmm. So she afforded me that for a bit. So I quit, started doing some driving and TV. Yeah. Uh, that's how I paid the bills back then. And then she gave me access to her two rooms. I got to close them off every week for years. So how do you initially uh, woo Joanna? 
well, <laughs> when I, the first time I met her was at the Rivoli. Okay. It was one of the last sets I was going to do. I was kind of planning on moving back home and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And she walked into the green room behind and she goes, who are you? I go, hi, I'm Cal. And she just reached in and grabbed my cock. <laughs> I went, you're cute. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're amazing. <laughs> no, and she was 16 years older no, than I no was. No girl had ever grabbed my cock before. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I'd had sex at this point, I think, uh, like a handful of times mm-hmm. with a few different women. But I went, I went out drinking with her after that show and just talked to her all night. And then I went to go take her home. And I forget the other comic's name we were drinking with, this other amateur comic. So I put Joe into a cab and I go to get in and he just puts his hand on my chest, closes the door. (laughs) Cab takes off. He goes, nah. (laughs) But then Joe, because we talked about, I wanted to see what the road was like Mm -hmm. as a comic. I'd never. So she brought me to Niagara Falls, I think two weeks later, because she was working there. Okay. And uh, that's where everything kind of happened. A little hotel room action? No, we were driving back and forth. They didn't get a hotel in the summer. And uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know what time of year it was. Get a no, hotel uh, there year round I convinced now. her to go on the, uh, the Ferris wheel. And that's when I made my move. Okay. I kissed her there. And yeah, that was that changed my comedy life. And she's 16 years older than you. Yeah. Um, established headliner. So you just, you get in with her and she just plugs you into essentially the Toronto comedy scene. Yeah, right away. Mm -hmm. So I'm plugged in and it was really hard for me then because obviously I was a bad comic, but I was also getting all these, like I was babied into the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I had all this access to the point where I go to other open mics and you're like, no, why, why you're already at the best two (laughs) go fuck yourself. So, but that was the, Eaton House was the education mm-hmm. where you get heckled all the time. Cause when you, that room started, it was a mess. Exactly. Yeah, when I, before I really started doing comedy, I'd like pop my head in every now and again, but I, I lived off Danforth and I went to Eaton House every Tuesday. Yeah. God, I uh, ate it there. Yeah, Oof. I know. And I'd watch you and then, then you'd be a dick to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. About <laughs> I'm really sorry. I remember well, what cracked you was, uh, I, I remember I showed up at the Eaton House. I had, uh, I just made a bunch of pot muffins. Dude, and I was, those I, muffins were bananas. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was giving them some some of the guys that were nice to me, and then you just fucking muscled in. We're like, <laughs> all right, and just grabbed one, didn't say a word, and then fucked off. And then I saw you the next week, and you were like, buddy, those fucking muffins. And then you you were nice to me from there on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm ashamed of how I was then, <laughs> and I can I can blame or say, you know, the reasons why all I want, but it's still my actions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll stand up to them and go, "Yeah, I was I was a jerk." And I was hanging around guys like Mike Wilmot and Pew and Hempstead, and it was it was that kind of yeah, you were the butt end of many jokes. So many. Low end of the totem pole. So you. Uh, but I but I didn't fear it and I liked being there and I liked trading insults. So when it came to my actual peer group, mm-hmm. to uh, kind of apply that same kind of mentality to my, what are my friends mm-hmm. that I, uh, I'm really embarrassed with how I treated people back then. Well, it's okay. It's Cause okay. Uh, that's obviously I don't act like that anymore. <laughs> this is how long, how long are you with Joanna uh, before she gets uh, sick? And I'll just uh, clarify for people listening. Joanna Downey uh, had ALS, um, Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, this happened how many years into the relationship? So she was first, well, she was, the symptoms first started in 2011. So it would have been, I met her at the very end of 2006. Okay. So four and a half to five years, she started showing the symptoms. Took a year to get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So in that year from first symptoms to diagnosis, she lost her job at Yuck Yucks because she couldn't perform. Mm-hmm. 
because the first thing that went was her voice, which is very rare with ALS. Usually it starts in the fingers. Yeah, weird, weird that a comedian's voice would uh, be the first. Yeah. I mean, all, the, all well, the stars aligned in the most horrible way. Yeah, because I was going to uh, Eat Now every week for that. Right. That's when I really start, I started actually doing comedy. And I remember like each week you'd show up and you're like, what's like, it was, you could see it progressively getting worse. Yeah. And she was embarrassed and she didn't, because we didn't know what it was. She didn't want to tell anybody what it was. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she had a a brother die overseas in Afghanistan. He was a soldier. So a lot of people were going, maybe it's depression. Everyone, I think everyone was like, I'm hoping it's depression or something that can be medicated or fixed, solved. So then after a year of it getting worse and worse and then a lot worse, then to the point she could barely speak, then the diagnosis, because she went through testing for everything, Mm -hmm. because that's how you diagnose ALS. There is no test for it. You just go, well, it's not that. Well, there's nothing else left. This has got to be it. It's not Lyme disease, you know, Mm -hmm. short of a wizard putting a curse on you. (laughs) It's ALS. And that changed everything for me because I took, I had to take over her rooms and take, I took care of her for three years which became very trying. It put me in a really bad place. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredibly depressed near the end because she needed help eating, going to the washroom, bathe, like the whole thing. And I was just by myself. Yeah. Um, At, um, before we get into that, uh, when the diagnosis comes in, what's what's the mood? Like, what do you... like? Because when they diagnose you, they, they let you know how it's going to go down, right? Yeah. Are you, and are you with her for that? I'm with her for that. Okay. Um, and it's down the street from where we live, so her family's not around for the diagnosis. And I'm going to where, where was I going? Falls or London? I think I was in London for the weekend. So we, I was leaving on the Thursday. Mm-hmm. So the doctor's appointment is in the morning. We had no idea we were getting a diagnosis either. Yeah, we were just going there for another test. So we go in. She has the test done. It was this weird electrolysis test where they kind of shock your fingers and they see where it goes in your body. So then they do that, and she hated those so much because they're kind—they kind of hurt. So then we're sitting there, and the doctor comes in and just goes, "Yeah, so it's this." I was like, "What?" And then she starts crying, and I'm—I start asking questions, you know, this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he pretty much goes, "We're gonna set." You. They didn't get really into it with detail. Basically, they were, we're gonna set you up at a hospital that deals with ALS, and then for the next, you know, three years was going there every month or two months. So she's already a year into, you don't know what it is. Then she gets diagnosed. Yeah. So then you're taking care of her for the next three. Sorry, the next two years. Next two. Yeah. After the diagnosis, is there any talk of, because I know I got one thing on my mind when I get that diagnosis. Oh, me too. Yeah. It's the same thing. And it's fuck. Let's, let's, let's take the easy way out. Let's not. Yeah. And I'm leaving that day to go away for the weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's still mobile at the time. She can still walk, can't really speak. And under she also had dementia, mm-hmm. uh, frontal temporal lobe dementia. So I'm, I'm scared because that's the first thing on my mind too. I get it. I'm fucking, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Give me them pills. So I'm, I'm talking to her. I was like, I want you to go spend the weekend at your parents' place or somewhere with people. She's like, no, 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 no. I just want to be home, home alone, home alone, home alone. I was like, that. And I gave in, but I, you know, we told the family and everything. So then uh, I come back on the Sunday and my door's locked into my house. So then I unlock it. I open up and the chain's locked too. Chain won't open. So I I call her name, you know, Joe, I'm home. No answer. No answer. 10 minutes of me yelling 
into this house, the landlord comes out and I'm sitting there. It's like, I'll kick down the door, but I can't walk in because mm-hmm. I don't know what's in there. Yeah. And so then we just hear a movement and she, she was in a towel. She was in the tub. She was having a bath. <laughs> she was reading a book. Uh, and yeah. And that was the first time I was like, oh, fuck, I really overreacted. And I kind of got to get it together myself. So then, then it was two years of doctor's appointments and trying to do the best I could until the point where I couldn't do it anymore. But you guys never talked about uh, suicide? Like no, assisted suicide, no, no. Especially that? when, because it was a few months later when we got the dementia diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So her frontal lobes had started to shrink. And as soon as that happens, uh, a credible conversation about it can't occur because the person's not in the mind. She was becoming the opposite person that she was. You know how outgoing she was. Yeah, and she she was just closing in. Yeah, and she started becoming more like a hermit, didn't want to talk to people. I would host the show, and she'd like, can we go? (laughs) It's like, we just started the show. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, but that's what that disease does to your brain, which is incredibly unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, we never had that talk. Which is weird for me, too, because I'd always... There's big worldview and little worldview. So my big worldview is if anyone killed themselves because they had a terminal disease, I'm like, yeah, of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. I understand that completely. But then on, in a small world, this woman I'm with who I love sitting there going, I don't want her to. Yeah. Even though it would be probably easier for everybody and easier for her. I was like, I have to keep her going. I have to do it. And I had a really hard time trying to qualify those together those same thoughts in my head mm-hmm. and i drank a bunch yeah i uh it was it was a tough couple of years for you um, yeah but you were you were a fucking you were a saint well um, comedy saved me because yeah. i'd go out every i'd still find a way to go out every night and do shows and hang out with my friends and it was my friends in comedy and that's and then that, you started getting good i started getting good <laughs> i gotta do all right but that's when uh i'd, I'd made the conscious decision to not be an asshole anymore because mm-hmm. there was no time for it because I was sitting there, you know, with my girlfriend who's sick and I'm sitting there going, I know I have always had friends, mm-hmm. but it, I was like, fuck, I, I want more friends. I want more fun in my life. And it definitely changed me fundamentally forever mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I hear a comic kind of busting balls and stuff, sometimes I just have no time for it. <laughs> like I, I won't even respond. I'll just walk away or I go to something balls else. all the time. <laughs> yeah. But you know, those guys who don't listen to you. Like they bust balls and they just sit there waiting for your mouth to shut just so they can call you a fucking loser or an idiot. <laughs> like, I, I have no time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, how did, can you even talk to Joe near the end? Of, like, you guys are still t- living together and then, like, you just, you can't do it anymore. No, you and that. To, you get to the point where it's too much. Well, her doctor. Because her doctor, they, the hospital keeps tabs on you. Mm-hmm. So she had like medical alert bracelets. So, you know, there's always some sort of contact, but I guess they couldn't get a hold of me one time. So they had started the process of sending an ambulance to the house. Something had happened. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then I think that happened twice. And I didn't even know that happened. They called it off when they did get a hold of me because a family member would contact me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm here. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So then the doctor said, it's becoming too much for him to do by himself. So thankfully, she has a wonderful family. He was like, we'll take her in. Because uh, at that, I heard that news, and it, I'm embarrassed to say, I was like, "Oh, maybe life might get a little easier now. She oh. can go to a place where yeah. they can properly take care of her." Because it was getting dangerous with me. She couldn't walk, mm-hmm. not well anyway. She had to be balanced, and we were getting into wheelchair territory. Um, so her parents took her in, but I had to tell her 
which was that was one of the hardest things. And I've she ever can't had talk at this point. She can't talk. How was, was she writing or I she was she, texting? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So she she on notes on her phone. She just writes stuff. So then, yeah, I, I went and I told her what was happening. I said, "You're moving in with your parents," and she assumed I was moving in with them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm not, you know. So I did. <laughs> it was really tough. Yeah. And she cried so much. And it was supposed to happen in February, but then I was on the road in January for a weekend, and I came back home, and they were already gone. Okay. Her parents had come into the house, grabbed her stuff. And I just lived in this empty house for another, up until I think, uh, March. And then to that lovely basement, you and Hunter had. Yeah. And I thought, you know, cause my initial thought was, okay, I'm a little bit free now. And I'd go visit her every week. Mm-hmm. Still breathing. Where are her parents living? Uh, out in the beaches. Okay. So, and so then, you know, I kept in touch a lot for the first while I'd go three times a week just to help out. And I thought that I, with getting my life back, I'd immediately start getting better. I was drinking very heavily and I'd stopped that but I thought the depression never went away it took about six to seven months for the depression because I didn't know what to do with myself for three years I've been really busy mm-hmm. every day making sure she was fed and all that stuff so then when uh, I had didn't have to do that I kind of didn't know what to do with myself and I thought I was going to pour my heart into comedy and be like I'm just going to be the best comedian that's ever been a comedian <laughs> but it didn't happen yeah. I, I couldn't focus that way that focus didn't come until years later mm-hmm um, so you said three, three times a week at start. So that just peters off. Eventually. Yeah. As, as my life improves <clears throat> and I'm back on the dating scene and she kind of gets more sick and more sick and her dementia gets really bad. Uh, my schedule fills up a bit. She stopped recognizing you or like, did you ever get that feeling? You'd show up and she didn't really know who you were. Yeah, I did. But I mean, that's just, that's an opinion at this point yeah. for whoever went to go visit her. I mean, some people would visit her and it's like, she's, she's in there. She's completely in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but that's all personal belief in terms of the person you love being sick. Mm-hmm. So I never try to really press my angle on how I felt about that stuff because they're opinions and they only really matter to you. So to tell anybody else that it's just, it's useless information they can't use anyway. Because it's, it's more in line with beliefs than anything. Mm-hmm. So then I took over the rooms fully, producing fully. Uh, had a really hard time. Was really nervous to take over Spirits Comedy, which was her room she ran for 16 years, which had a great name. And it had gotten really hard because she hosted it for as long as she could. And the audiences had started to fall off. Either people didn't want to see her sick. It became really hard for her dear friends to see her in that state. Yeah. So I took over the room trying to go okay we got to improve the room and i knew i couldn't do it by running two so i gave the eaton house to sandra battellini because mm-hmm. i feel she's the closest thing in the city to what joanna did mm-hmm. she's that same kind of bubbly lively cutthroat yeah. awesome broad yeah so i gave that to her and in hindsight kind of wish i kept it <laughs> <laughs> well now that spirits closed yeah. down gave away the wrong one um so yeah for my listeners uh uh cal's room spirits uh they they shut the bar down the whole building this show is running for over 20 years 22 years 22 years uh toronto's longest running open mic it was where uh it was where comedians made their name in the city and uh it is uh the end of an era so what now dude now i do it all for me you do it all for you yeah because i mean a lot of people ask me like where are you gonna open up your next room and it's like i'm not gonna i don't know i've had my room going on three years and i just i feel like 
I'd always need a room now. I completely get that. I and I feel like I really utilize spirits, especially especially this year. Mm-hmm. Because I'd put up a new 10 minutes every week. Every week, here's a new 10. Here's a new 10. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of a year, you know, I got a new 20. Yeah, that oh, I, yeah. That I, like. I do that every every week. I talk about something new, throw a bunch of shit at the wall. Yeah. If anything sticks, we'll start working that. Yeah, yeah it stays but, in the notebook. But, yeah, it's just great. To, I know what I'm doing Wednesday, and it's not... Like my show, Dope in My Comedy, every single Wednesday. Uh, Fantastic. Best, best Wednesday room in the city now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been the best Wednesday room for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I like that I'm going there and I know like, cause it's, because it's a good show, it's fun. You know, it's not like, like if I was running a fucking shitty open mic week after week that nobody came to, I'd lose my fucking mind. Yeah. And I had a, I was lucky to have great audiences and I had a core group that really kept it going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and near the end, we were getting more popular and it was growing again and i reformatted the whole thing to mm-hmm. appeal i wanted more pros on the stage having fun mm-hmm. instead of appealing to the the amateurs in the city because there's 50 places you can an amateur can go to do comedy yeah, i hardly put any amateurs on my show I'll, yeah. I'll do like one a week just but like i i want it to be a room where pros work yeah and they, they work their shit out it's it's also a place where because sometimes a pro can forget how to be experiment uh, experimental Mm-hmm. And I think that's what pros miss is a place to really get there and go, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to talk about. Let's get in there ah, and bomb or kill or both. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. When you do both, one joke's just fucking pow. <laughs> and the next joke's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like in the same set. Oh, fuck. The, this pot room. You, you die real hard. You can get them Dude, going I've and then died. say one thing. And then you're, they're just like, oh, I've lost all momentum. The hardest bombs for me are when I think I'm going to kill. Sometimes you feel it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm fucking this room's so hot and I got this. I know I got this. And then it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And that those are the bombs that really hurt me because that, that they're humbling. Uh-huh. The bombs where I go, I've got like three thoughts yeah, and yeah. I just want to ramble and but see it's, what happens. Uh, it's a, it's things need to humble you in this crazy game. Um, Never stops. <laughs> buddy, we, uh, we, we went a bit off the rails, but, uh, we're, we're fuck well over an hour now. Um, want to shut it down? Yeah. We got to shut her down. Let's, uh, I don't know, unless you got more you need to get off your chest dude <laughs> you were you were a good man you took care of that uh, lovely young lady as much yeah, as you she could. made me a good man too yeah and um she is very missed and uh i don't know you, you did right by her so uh don't ever feel bad about uh not being able to take care of her to the end well i'm only one man yeah no is she uh a shitty disease and needed professional help and whatnot donate if you can yeah find your local als uh or just dump cold water on your head (laughs) (laughs) that worked for a summer the ice bucket challenge um where can uh where can the fine people find you just give us your socials because this won't air well it's coming um, out next week i think so it's cal post across the board cal post across the board another cal posts out there eh? no No, you can cal post on facebook cal post on instagram cal post twitter you're working a new year's gig no. No, New no, Year's No, off. New Year's gig. All right. Well, we won't plug it then. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm got... in London in a couple of weeks. I'm there. I leave on to Friday. Can't wait. London, Ontario. Fucking great place. Wally Burgers. <laughs> Peanut butter on your burger. I love it. Go down to the Baron. Um, yeah, the Beef Baron. Good strip club. I went there once. It was scary. <laughs>
Uh, all right. Well, uh, that's that's pretty much our episode of the Potato Files here on Never Sleeps Network, guys. Uh, want to thank Cal Post for coming in. Thanks, um, buddy. We got to do a part two. Yeah, yeah. We uh, there's still there's still more we got to talk about. <laughs> um, but if uh, you guys want to hear me talk, come down to the Underground Comedy Club every single Wednesday night for dope and Mike comedy, and uh, check me out on all those social media things. Jeff Paul Comedy. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye, bye. See ya. Bye, Cal. Bye. Thanks, buddy. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Hello to the five people still listening and mom. Thank you for listening to the Potato Files here on Never Sleeps Network. Now that you're done this, go check out another NSN podcast created right here in Toronto. Comedy and wrestling fans, check out Casey Corbin's wrestling podcast, Talkin' Wrestling, here on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.